Perpetual Peace, a Philosophic Essay, by Immanuel Kant, Benjamin Trueblood Translation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by D. E. Whitcower. Second Supplement Secret Article for Securing Perpetual Peace A secret article in transactions connected with public law is, from the objective point of view, or that of its content, a contradiction. Subjectively, however, judged from the point of view of the quality of the person who dictates it, there may very properly be matter for secrecy. Such a person may find it of very doubtful propriety to have it publicly proclaimed that he is the author of the proposal. The only article possible of this kind is contained in the following proposition. The maxims of philosophers concerning the conditions of the possibility of public peace shall be taken into account by the states which are armed for war. It seems, however, for the legislative authority of a state, to which, of course, must be attributed the greatest wisdom, to be belittling to seek among its subjects, the philosophers, instruction as to the principles of its conduct toward other states, though it may be very advisable to do so. Thus the state will consult them silently, making a secret of it. That is to say, it will allow them to speak freely and openly about the general maxims according to which war should be conducted and peace brought about which, of course, they will do of their own accord, if not forbidden. The cooperation of the states in this matter will, however, need no special agreement among them to bring it about, for it is made certain by the felt obligations of the universal moral law set up by human reason. By all this is not meant that the state shall prefer the principles of the philosopher to the dictates of the jurist, who is the representative of the power of the state, but only that the philosopher must be heard. The jurist, who has taken as his symbol the scales of right, and at the same time the sword of justice, commonly makes use of the latter, not simply to ward off from the former all extraneous influences, but in case one side of the balance does not sink, to throw his sword into it. Victis. The jurist, who is not in the moral sense a philosopher, has the greatest temptation to do this, because his only business is to apply existing laws, not to inquire whether these need improvement. And this really lower order of his calling he reckons as belonging to the higher, because it is accompanied with power, as is the case also with the other two callings, theology and medicine. Among these allied powers, the philosophic holds a very lowly position. It is said of philosophy that she is the handmaid of theology, and such also she is said to be of law and medicine. But it is not quite clear whether she carries the torch 
before her gracious mistress or holds up her train behind. It is not to be expected, nor even desired, that kings should pursue philosophy, or that philosophers should become kings. Because the possession of power unavoidably destroys the free exercise of reason. But that kings or sovereign peoples who govern themselves according to laws of equality should not let the class of philosophers disappear or be silenced, but allow them to speak openly, is necessary to both for enlightenment in the performance of their functions. For this class of persons, from their very nature, are incapable of faction and club organization, and cannot therefore be even suspected of propagandism. End Second Supplement This recording is in the public domain.